You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Friday? Sort of a downtime, as I've been telling you. However, I also promised you a great, great guest for this Friday. And much as the case as what happened with Dwayne McFarlane, I was listening to Matt Waldman's podcast, which, needless to say, is a very good one. M-Dub knows his stuff. And Jay Moyer has been on lately talking running backs, backfields, running games. So I reached out to him, and Jay is with us now. What's up, dude? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to get on here and talk some more football. Um, you know, a fan of yours, fan of your show, so it's great to be here. Great, man. I'm excited about it. Can you just, before we dig into a couple of these teams, tell people a little bit about your background, uh, Twitter, where they can find your writings, and, and what you've been doing specifically with Waldman? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at jmoyer, M-O-Y-E-R-F-B, as in football. Uh, it's just, the, it's just the letter J. It's not J-A-Y. Yeah, just the letter J, yeah. Moyer, F-B. Um, and I also write, as you said, for Matt Waldman's website, which is mattwaldmanrsp.com. Uh, I've been contributing there, uh, you know, really focusing on player evaluation in general. But lately, I've been doing a series on running backs and new coaching fits and how, uh, you know, the style of, of the runners that are on teams such as Arizona and Miami were two recent pieces that are up. Uh, how, you know, David Johnson, Kalen Bellage, Kenyon Drake will fit with new coaches, new coaching schemes. Um, because as we've seen in the past, you know, when a new coaching staff comes in, like Sean McVay did in Los Angeles, it can turn Todd Gurley into a dis- from a disappointment into an all-pro back. Um, so really interested. I have a coaching background, really interested in how coaching and scheme can affect the performance of players. Um, and so, you know, I've been really hammering away at these uh, coaching changes and how the running backs will fit. Yeah, it's, it's very high-quality work, too, people. Oh, thank and, you. Um, we have a handful of teams on the list. Arizona isn't one of them. But people that have been paying attention to me with the podcast this week know I was in the Scott Fish Bowl, or still am, and I took David Johnson right in the middle of the first round. I think he's going to catch a gazillion passes this year. Oh yeah, I'm totally. I'm on the. I'm on the same page with you in right. that one. Um, you know, the the article details this. I think that his rush volume may decrease from what we've seen uh, last year and when Arians was there in 2016. But I think it'll be more than made up for in the passing game. Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, their new head coach you know, has air raid roots, which is a, a pass heavy offensive scheme really designed to get the ball in playmakers hands in space. And I don't think there's any better playmaker on the Cardinals than David Johnson. He's really, really electric and dynamic in space, you know, great agility can make people miss a uh, great job reading his blockers and using his blockers leverage to create more yardage. So I think it'll be a high volume receiver. I think he'll produce, I think I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a thousand yards plus in the receiving game. Yeah. And one thing I've been thinking about with that offense, again, I'm kind of throwing you a curveball and talking about a team I didn't preface you with, but you do have a great article about it. Everyone should go check that out. I keep thinking that they may – I know everyone's talking about them going four wide, and I'm sure we'll see plenty of that. But I think they might get to it by going with 11 personnel, Johnson, even Charles Clay, who I think is being slept on a little bit, and three three wide receivers, as that they're kind of a work in progress. 
and then going for wide with Johnson is really the receiver because he's as good a receiving back as you're going to find. And it doesn't eliminate the rush threat with Kyler Murray taking the snaps. So I think that offense could be really hard to play against, particularly out of 11 personnel. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of manipulating defenses with personnel groupings. Um, I think it's a great space where an offense can create advantages. And as you said, you know, uh, Kingsbury in college, he ran a lot of four wide, five wide, and we're talking actually wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know, positional wide receivers. Um, but I think that that was possibly a function of not having the personnel at running back that he felt comfortable, you know, lining up out wide, running slant, running, you know, crossing routes downfield, catching the ball. David Johnson has experience at receiver. He's shown in the NFL that he can be highly successful lining up wide and running wide receiver routes, uh, you know, facing safeties or even corners uh, and winning on a pretty consistent basis. And so when you add in those skills to, you know, the the sort of uh, misdirection in terms of the personnel, you know, there's a tight end a running back in there. Most teams will counter with either seven defensive front players or six defensive defensive front players. But you can create matchups with Johnson uh, one-on-one with a strong safety or a linebacker where really he's a mismatch against, uh, you know, the vast majority of players who play those positions in the NFL. And Kingsbury has shown a tendency to use personnel groupings for deception. I was watching his offense back when he had Patrick Mahomes in 2016. And like I said, there was a lot of five wide. Uh, and one thing he did was he went no huddle after lining up with five wide receivers, you know, provoking uh, defensive back heavy defense, went no huddle, lined up in an unbalanced heavy formation with five wide receivers as a skill personnel mm-hmm. and ran a, a, a power lead toss to Kiki Kuti, who was lined up as the halfback. Um, and, you know, there's a huge crease. Unfortunately, they called a false start, so the play didn't really have a positive effect, but that personnel creativity is there. And I'm really excited to see how he takes advantage of uh, Johnson's skill set in that sense. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And he may even be on the field with Edmonds at times, or maybe Isabella gets that QT carry here and there. You know, I mean, there's, and I also, I mentioned Clay. I mean, he's a versatile guy and they went out of their way to get him early in free agency. I don't know that he's just going to be an afterthought either. So they have some interesting pieces there to grow with. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones is more mm-hmm. of a receiver disguised as a tight end. So if defenses t- treat him as a tight end as well, you know, you can go 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, get an even heavier defensive front possibly, and, you know, line up five, essentially five wide receivers. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And sticking in the division, Seattle went the totally opposite spectrum in t- terms of not necessarily heavier personnel, but they, they did plenty of that. You saw six offensive linemen quite a bit but extremely run-heavy, and you could argue too run-heavy, to be very honest. But they also were very much a big play offense, Wilson to lock it. Wilson's a great deep passer. But I'm curious what you think of their running game. I wasn't a Rashad Penny fan coming out of school, and to me, he's just not as good as Carson. Oh, I'm on the same page with you there, Matt. Um, First, their offense, you know, it is interesting because they have such a skilled passer in Russell Wilson. Uh, specifically his his deep ball accuracy. You know, he may be the best deep ball passer in the NFL. And they really, they still leverage that talent, really took advantage of it last year with, you know, they didn't have a high volume of passing relative to other teams, but they took a lot of shots down the field with Lockett, as you mentioned, who's, you know, really good at uh, tracking the ball and actually catching contested catches despite his, uh, you know, small size. Um, 
but yeah, they ran the ball with heavier frequency than pretty much any team and in pretty much any situation. And a lot of it is, you know, straight ahead, run right at you, inside zone, uh, up the middle, a lot of down blocking plays up the middle. With last year, what was a three-headed monster, obviously Mike Davis has moved on. But in terms of the talent, you know, Chris Carson, I, I would definitely give the upper hand to Penny. I also wasn't a huge Penny fan coming out of college, and I think uh, last year he showed a lot of the same. You know, he's the same guy in the NFL that he was in college, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, he really, you know, they, he, he played in a gap-heavy scheme. Uh, gap blocking is, you know, when the linemen block down, uh, you create favorable angles, and the, the running back is told to run to a specific gap. Um, so in college, his gaps were dictated for him, and he's a big, fast guy. And so his a lot of big holes, pretty, too. Yeah, pretty dominant offensive line, and he was running straight through a big hole, and you get a guy like that in college who's so fast and so big, and he's going to pick up a lot of yardage. Uh, in the NFL, you know, especially with Seattle's scheme last year where I said they ran a lot of inside zone and a lot of inside down blocking, a play called duo was probably the play they ran the most. Uh, which for the running back is essentially the same skill set as inside zone where you're reading a linebacker. You know, there's no specific hole. You have to find the hole based on where the linebackers are going. Uh, and you're sort of running to a more general area. And his processing in those situations is a little bit slower than what you'd like to see consistently in the NFL. And I felt often he's just sort of picked, picked a lane and ran to it, whether it was the correct one or not. Um, he seemed to me to fare much better when they actually had a designated gap, ran a specific gap play and he could use that skill set in terms of speed and size but you know even with his size i carson's also a big back but i, I don't think penny runs with tremendous power no. or tremendous balance so when you watch him he's often getting getting tackled by the first defender uh you know the vast majority of the time he goes down on contact by the first defender whereas chris carson has great lateral agility great acceleration and i would say he's Certain running backs, I, I, I describe them as eating space. Whenever there's space in front of them, they accelerate very dramatically to take that yardage. Um, so, you know, where Carson will be hit for two yards, he'll still accelerate forward for two more, three more. If there's any space in front of him, he's immediately accelerating. His acceleration is really outstanding. It uh, is. He's a very, very tough, tough, aggressive runner. So I'd expect him to be the featured back with Penny, uh, you know, performing more of a change of pace role unless they try to force it more even split because of Penny's draft capital. Yeah, it was a peculiar pick, and I don't know that it'll work out. And uh, he certainly isn't Marshawn Lynch, but Carson, Carson is much more Lynch-like than Penny is to me. Um, folks, we're going to come back here in a minute to talk about another NFC West teams, but just want to let you know today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. So I mentioned we went through two NFC West teams already in, in Arizona and Seattle. I think San Francisco is really interesting. And it all starts with Shanahan, of course, and that scheme. And maybe you could do you know just spell out a little bit of what the Shanahan scheme is for people. But they also play a, use a lot of fullback. But Juszczyk isn't a hammerhead 1980s fullback. I mean, he can do a lot of things. Highest paid fullback in the league. That's not an accident. He plays a lot of snaps. He can split out wide to some degree. And then they add a lot of pieces this offseason, like like Jalen Hurd. You know, I mean, that, that how are they going to count him? And we talked about this a lot with Arizona. 
figuring out what personnel on, is on the field and what they're going to do to you, I think, is becoming more and more difficult with the Niners. Yeah, the NFC West is really a hotbed of offensive innovation. <laughs> yeah, it is. Starting you know, with McVay, and yeah. You have Kingsbury there now. Uh, you know, you have Pete Carroll and Schottenheimer up in Seattle doing something totally different than what most of the other NFL is doing in terms of the run-heavy schemes we just talked about. Uh, you know, we haven't even talked about Sean McVay and what he's done offensively and what they're planning to do this year offensively with adding Daryl Henderson and running more two-back sets. But Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, is one, you know maybe the most creative play designer, play caller in the NFL. The, the backbone of his offense is the wide zone run scheme, which you know traces back to what he learned under his dad. Or the same thing with uh, Mike Shanahan. Uh, you know, his successful teams in Denver had a, ran a heavy dose of wide zone back with Terrell Davis in those days. Um, and that's a that's a, a run play where the offensive linemen, you know, from the snap are sort of running wide to one side of the field or the other. Uh, essentially, the idea is to stretch the defense. The running back has a little more time than those inside runs to really read the linebackers, read the leverage of the offensive linemen and defensive ends and pick a hole, whether it's getting around the corner or cutting back. You know, the wide zone can look like an inside run or it can look like sort of like a sweep play, uh, depending on how the play evolves from the snap. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does a lot of... Real quick, I described it a little bit yesterday as like five bears doing synchronized swimming. You know, like all as a wall (laughs) together. You know what I mean? Or elephants. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great image to imagine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the bears being the offensive linemen who are those... Right. These big 300-pound guys sprinting downfield and, and, and a little bit laterally. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch. And the running backs that do it well, uh, you know, Todd Gurley being a great example, mm-hmm. make it look so easy. And typically are more explosive accelerators, uh, those one-cut-and-go type of guys you always hear talked about with the wide zone. That's what I think I mean, Coleman it, is. I think Coleman's going to pay off huge for the Niners. Coleman, yeah. Coleman is, is – he is electric in space – you know, mentioned the acceleration. He's one of the best accelerators in the NFL in terms of, uh, you know, making, making a quick cut, not really losing speed through the cut, um, but getting upfield, gaining yardage quickly. The issue with Coleman that I see that he's actually improved somewhat since he was young in the NFL is, uh, is how he understands relationships of blockers. I think often he'll leave a little too much space between himself and blockers to where, he won't be able to capitalize on some of the holes that open up and possibly close quickly in the NFL with the speed of the of defenders. You know, I watched him in the Super Bowl in 2016, and there were a lot of wide zone plays with Shanahan as his coordinator where the Falcons were opening up these very wide rushing lanes. And just Coleman's identification of those lanes was a little bit slower than you'd like, and it would result in him, you know, instead of getting a 20-yard gain, getting a five-yard gain. Uh, But he did clean that up last year, I would say, pretty substantially. And so I am excited to see him with his improved uh, processing and footwork and adding that to the explosiveness he's always had and reuniting with Shanahan. Uh, But they also have a couple other backs that I'm excited or, you know, more or less excited about, but should play into the competition in Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breda. Um, Matt Breda is a guy who has great vision. Uh, really can manipulate linebackers to create holes and is very fast once he gets in open space. Uh, his issue has always been injury, but I think that if he can stay healthy, he'll be a guy that performs very well when given a chance. 
Um, but he may not get as many chances because Coleman, uh, you know, is so explosive. And then Jarek McKinnon is on a big contract. So if he's healthy, I would expect those two guys to be given as much opportunity uh, as possible. McKinnon, I think, is a player who is versatile. You talked about the versatility with the San Francisco 49ers offense and Jalen Hurd, Kyle Jusick, George Kittle is a great run and receiving, I mean, run blocking and receiving tight end. Um, you know, Dante Pettis can line up in the slot out wide. Debo Samuel is another versatile player. Versatility is really a hallmark of their offense. And McKinnon is, uh, you know, as versatile as it gets from a running back position. He has experience playing quarterback uh, in his younger days, a little bit in college. Uh, he's a great receiving back, uh, good at working underneath zones. Uh, and, you know, he's very dynamic once he gets into the open field, very fast. Um, not quite as skilled running between the tackles as I would say Breda is. But it's just an interesting group, and all those guys bring versatility to the table. So I'm really excited to see what their offense ends up looking like. Yeah, I am too. And um, it seems like we agree on a lot of this. You might be higher on McKinnon than I am. I It kind of it was similar to me as the Penny draft pick, was them giving McKinnon that kind of money. And I do think when they did one year ago, he was ascending. He was getting better in his Viking days, but... I never really considered him a very nuanced runner. I mean, he's fast, he is gifted, but a lot of times it just looks like he runs real fast into things. Yeah, I think that we're seeing the same things. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, McKinnon, I, I think the best thing that he offers is his versatility that I just talked about. As as a, a traditional running back, I, I agree that he leaves a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. The main things that I've noticed with him you know, his vision, he looks like a guy who wasn't a running back who's playing running back. Yeah, he'll, right. He'll, he'll identify the hole, and then he'll just run to that hole, regardless of whether that hole closes or anything changes. And it so just if smacks the hole into stays, things, right. Exactly. If the hole stays <laughs> open, he'll get yardage. If a defender appears there, he's going to run straight into the defender. Um, so working between the tackles, and even in space, he'll do the same thing out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily great at, adjusting and readjusting based on the defender's leverage. And then also his contact balance, in my opinion, is not great. He's another guy, much like I was talking about with Penny, where he is often getting tackled by the first defender. And you think of McKinnon McKinnon as being, you know, this sort of scat back type. Often those backs are thought of as being very elusive. In the open field, I don't think he really has much elusiveness. No. he'll, He'll try to make one cut, but not super creative in the open field. And often, as I said, we'll get tackled by the first player. So if, if it doesn't you know, string play, moves together. Oh yeah, no, not not at all. I think it's you know he's a one cut and go runner, which may be why Shanahan liked him and wanted to give him that much money, along with his versatility. But I don't think it, you know his his one cut is that explosive, and I don't think he'll break enough tackles to consistently succeed with his limited vision in the NFL. Yeah, and I really think Coleman will grab that job by the throat. I do like Brita, but he had. 400 injuries last year. <laughs> you know, like I just, it seems like he is a a walking infirmary. I mean, maybe that's unfair. It's just unlucky. But um, man, he was beat up a lot. My last San Fran question, and this obviously correlates to now Kubiak in Minnesota and this whole tree, the Shanahan, you know, Kubiak lineage goes to McVeigh to some degree too. But with San Francisco, they run so much twelve or two back. How important is use check to their system to Shanahan? Or a fullback in general. Uh, well, as I mentioned, you know Kyle Shanahan seems to really value versatility when you look at their offensive skill acquisitions over the past several years. And Jusic, as you mentioned, is a guy that can line up in the backfield, 
you know, be a lead blocker. He can line up in the slot, run routes pretty well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's a Julian Edelman type of slot receiver, but he can run those types of routes. He has really good hands. Um, and then, you know, on occasion he can get the ball and he's actually a pretty good runner. Uh, yeah, he's you know, not bad. He better acceleration. Yeah. Better acceleration than you would think for most fullbacks. Uh, he has great contact balance, uh, runs with power. So that's a guy that just brings a lot of versatility. And we meant we were talking about with Arizona, you know, having diverse personnel can help you manipulate, manipulate defenses with your personnel packages. So when you can treat your fullback as, you know, dot of the eye or not dot of the eye, but he's in the eye formation leading up the middle on some kind of inside inside zone lead play or leading on a toss. Uh, but then he can also line up in the slot and you can go empty backs with, you know, say you have Jalen Hurd, Kyle Jusick, and then Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, and Dante Pettis. You know, you could line those five guys up, five wide, and they're all very good receivers. Or you could line Hurd and Jusick up in the I formation and run up the middle. And so that makes it very difficult on defenses. And I would suspect Kyle Shanahan is uh, licking his chops to take advantage of uh, you know, advantageous matchups that he can create in that yeah. way. And think about how that was a good offense last year. I mean, and people forget that without the star quarterback and say what you want about McKinnon, but they liked him enough to give him money this time of year. I mean, and it was really work in progress. They could be a really good offense in my opinion. Um, I have six. Well, actually you sent me six teams to talk about. I threw the Cardinals at you too. So there's seven teams here. We're not going to get to all of them. We got one more. I'm going to take another break. And we're going to come back and chat Eagles. I think the Eagles are a really exciting running game to talk about, too, and could be a great offense. We'll be right back. All right, Jay, I mentioned it before. I think you're going to see a healthy Wentz. They've added a lot in their skill position players. I mean, two new running backs, Howard and Sanders, Arcega-Whiteside. I think Goddard's a breakout candidate. Him and Ertz create all kinds of problems. Alshon's not going away. Deshaun Jackson comes back. I think Wentz is the next great elite quarterback. I'm a huge fan. And their their running game is very diverse. I mean, they throw a lot at you. And I think one of the absolute keys, which isn't, you know, the, the, the hottest of takes, but Kelsey as the center really makes it all go. It's a good line, but him and his mobility is really unique. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's an all-pro caliber center. And I, I share your excitement about the Eagles. I have a ton of respect for Doug Peterson. I think he's, again, one of the more innovative offensive play callers, you know, play designers in the NFL with his, his version of the West Coast offense that he came up under Andy Reid uh, learning. And their skill talent really intrigues me. A lot of receive, a lot of teams are going small at receiver, I guess, you know, with the, with the idea of prioritizing uh, separation over – physicality and you know contested catch skill the eagles really have if they wanted to one of the biggest skills uh, you know one of the biggest pass catching armamentariums in the nfl when you think about if say they line up with alshon jeffrey jj arcega whiteside zach ertz and dallas goddard and those are all very skilled receivers who you know provide physical mismatches with a lot of the defensive backs you know we've seen smaller defensive backs who uh, adjust to the smaller, faster, wide receivers. And they can take advantage of some of those size mismatches in the passing game. Wentz has no problem throwing the ball to receivers who are covered right. if he has confidence in that receiver's ability to win one-on-one. You see this with Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, and, you know, Jeffrey has done really well with Wentz there. 
Uh, Zach Ertz is another guy who Wentz has a ton of confidence in. And I think all four of those guys could could provide that to this offense. Uh, and, you know, that's not even talking about how they added Deshaun Jackson to stretch the field. Um, Nelson Aguilar, who's, a, you know, a very good slot receiver, uh, great feet, you know, can get separation on most underneath routes. Um, Real quick, I so, apologize for interrupting, but they've been looking, since losing Deshaun Jackson, they've been bringing in the Tory Smiths and guys like that, and now they brought back the real thing. You know, I think that, that field stretcher, you, you laid it out great with the big receivers, but that field stretcher will make all those other lives a little bit easier too. Including the running game. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got distracted here. Um, sorry. Can you? Can no, you're you good. I, you know, out? just this eagle. Let's just focus on the eagle running game. I mean, I, I think <laughs> Howard getting picked up is a little bit underrated too. I think he's a good back, a zone runner, a no nonsense guy. Has some receiving ability. I mean, I know everyone knocks him. He's a terrible receiver, but you can dump it to him. He's going to catch it more, you know, a fair amount. And Miles Sanders is a guy I'm familiar with. He's from Pittsburgh, went to Woodland Hills High School, Penn State guy. So I watched him a lot. There's a lot of ability there. But as as Matt Waldman lays out, boy, he fumbles a lot. It might take him a while to get on the field. Yeah, sorry about that little detour. There. No, you're cool. <laughs> Jordan, yeah, Jordan Howard, uh, you know, I was watching him with, with the work he did with the Bears. And it's interesting because Matt Nagy, uh, the head coach and offensive play caller in Chicago, worked under Andy Reid and runs a similar, a lot of the similar offensive principles, offensive play calls that Doug Peterson employs in Philadelphia. Uh, but Nagy didn't really seem to be a big fan of Howard, you know, given that they traded him this offseason for, you know, a relative discount. Uh, Howard is not a dynamic receiver, as you point out, but he is very skilled in terms of running between the tackles. He's very, yeah. Hyper-efficient with his footwork, uh, very good vision, understands linebacker leverage uh, you know his, his footwork is so efficient that he often creates advantageous angles with tacklers with linebackers that he is then you know he runs with a lot of power he's one of the big guys that uses his weight well uh, and you'll see him dragging linebackers breaking tackles and you know not much wasted movement side to side so when he gets a crease he'll pick up 5 10 15 yards really quickly and with the Eagles offensive line talent that we you know talked about a little bit with Kelsey and then you know, probably have maybe the best offensive line in terms of run blocking in the NFL. You know, watching them last year, there were a lot of big creases that I think Jordan Howard will have no problem taking advantage of. And I think that he'll be really tough to stop when they want him out there and they're going to run between the tackles. Uh, you know, obviously the downside to him is there's a little bit more predictability because you're not going to line him up wide or, you know, necessarily run screen passes to him. Uh, as far as Miles Sanders, the fumbling is obviously a big issue. In the NFL, if running backs fumble frequently, they don't even see the field. Uh, the thing that I really notice about Sanders in terms of his skills as a runner is I think that he struggles a little bit with his vision and his footwork efficiency. He'll take a lot of wasted steps in the backfield. And some of this may be due to inexperience. You know, he didn't get much playing time behind Saquon Barkley. Last year was his first year in the lead role at the elite collegiate level. Uh, and, you know, I'd expect this to improve as he gets more experience and actually works with someone who I said is so efficient in Jordan Howard. And hopefully Howard can mentor him a bit in terms of, you know, visual keys, uh, footwork when approaching the line of scrimmage. It's funny you say that because I was sitting here thinking, boy, Howard's the perfect guy. He's, he's young for this to almost mentor Sanders 
because Sanders, I think, learned a bad habit or two from Saquon, too. Like, hey, I can take this 90. Well, you're not quite Saquon, son. You know, I mean, you need to be more efficient. Like, and you, you mentioned it with Howard, using your weight properly, taking what's there, efficient steps that if Sanders is open to it and not necessarily red shirts, but just has a one year to kind of learn, boy, he could erupt a year from now if he handles this properly. Yeah, he does have really great physical talent, really good agility, great balance. Uh, you know, at times he'll demonstrate great creativity in the open field with jump cuts, spin moves. He'll have some really, really impressive highlights where if he can do that more consistently, like you said, he can be a very dynamic runner. Saquon is, is such an athletic freak <laughs> that he's, right. he's a running back that can really do whatever he wants and get away with it. Uh, so, you know, from a running back coach's perspective, he does a lot of things that you wouldn't teach, but you're not really going to correct him because when he takes those gambles, you know, the big bounce out around a defensive end who's pushed the offensive tackle upfield or, you know, cutting back on a gap run play where you're really only supposed to go to that one gap. <laughs> you know, he, he may he may get hit for a loss or, or a no yard gain every once in a while on those, but then. You know, he hits on them frequently enough with what turns into a 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown that it's hard to discourage him from doing it that much. Whereas Sanders. You don't teach it that way, though. Right. Exactly. Sanders has (coughs) enough talent to get away with that in college in the Big Ten. But when you get to the NFL and you're talking elite speed, I mean, these defenders are almost chasing down Saquon when he's making those moves. Um, and are doing it actually on a you know somewhat regular basis. He won't be able to get away with that stuff, uh, given that he's not quite the athlete Saquon is. So if he increases efficiency, I do think he can be very dynamic. Um, and you know he catches the ball well, and mm-hmm. he may add a little bit of the versatility that Jordan Howard doesn't uh, possess or bring to that offense. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think it might be the best offense in the league this year, and set up for long-term success too. Um, Jay, you're the man. This was fun and. Um, like to invite you back to do it again as soon as possible because there's a lot of other teams I want to talk about. So if you have time, let's do this again sometime. Oh, I'd be, I'd be happy to do it anytime. I love talking about football, and you know, I feel like I had a lot of fun talking about these offenses today. So let me know when and try to make it happen. Absolutely, and, and just tell everyone again where they can find you on Twitter once again. Yeah, so at uh, J Moyer FB J the letter J and then M O Y E R. FB, as in the initials for football. Mm-hmm. Um, what I post there tends to be video breakdowns, looking at a lot of these scheme things we were talking about with running backs and also just offenses in general. Uh, and it's really focused on skill player talent evaluation. So quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. Uh, so check it out. Hopefully you enjoy some of the stuff I've put out. Yeah, I should have mentioned before, well, his, his Twitter feed is really good with these videos he mentioned. So definitely check that out. Um, do something else there I've uh, Yeah, I was also going to say, you know, more long-form articles that incorporate a lot of these video breakdowns over at Matt Waldman's site, mattwaldmanrsp.com. Good stuff. Uh, Folks, that's a wrap. Everyone have a safe and wonderful holiday, or not holiday, but summer weekend. I will be back next week with our usual agenda, over and out.